Open your Bibles with me this morning to Luke chapter 2. I look forward to coming back tonight and being a part of a night of worship with our praise band, our orchestra, and our choir. I hope you'll come back and join us as well at 5 o'clock. Different songs seem to highlight different instruments. Uh, Weren't the horns just wonderful this morning? I appreciate the way that they play, and God just gives so many different gifts and abilities and talents, and it's neat to watch those being used. Luke chapter 2, we'll begin reading in verse 15. Stand with me for the reading of God's Word. When the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, whence the Lord has made known to us. And they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. And when they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told them concerning this child. And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. But Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all that they had heard and seen as it had been told them. And at the end of eight days when he was circumcised, he was called Jesus. The name given by the angel before he was conceived in the womb. You may be seated. I'm not too sure that we should make such a sharp distinction between joy and happiness. I mean, I know the arguments, and sometimes we talk about one seems more temporary, one seems more permanent. Uh, Sometimes one seems to be more like a, a, uh, how someone is feeling as opposed to reality. One's more outward, one's more inward. But, but really, I'm not so sure there should be any distinction at all. But what, what the key is, is where we find our joy and happiness. Now, if we're looking to circumstances or we're looking to people, we're looking for things, then, of course, it's not going to last. It's not going to be all that it should be. But if we find our joy and our happiness in God, then it's going to be long-lasting. It's going to be what it should be. Amazingly, people can experience joy and happiness even in the most difficult days. We see here in our old church family, there are people who have been going through major surgeries, major treatments, chemotherapy. We've, we've seen major losses in our own church family, and yet people who are able to have a deep, abiding happiness and joy because they're looking to God for their salvation. I like how John Piper puts this, and we're talking about joy. I don't know how we could go anywhere else but to a John Piper quote. He's the one that made the statement famously, God is most glorified in us when we're most satisfied in him. But notice how he describes Christian joy. Christian joy is a good feeling. Don't be afraid of feelings. They can mislead us. But yet, God gave us our feelings as long as we understand them and we control them. Christian joy is a good feeling in the soul, produced by the Holy Spirit, as he causes us to see the beauty of Christ in the Word and in the world. That's not 
a worldly joy. This is a biblical joy, a Christian joy. It is a feeling in the soul, not dependent on our outward circumstances, a feeling in the soul that God gives us when we look to Christ in his word and his work in the world. Here's another way that may help us to understand what joy is. Let's make some distinctions between faith. Faith is trust in God's work. We may not understand it, but God has told us what he's up to and what he's doing and how he works. Faith is trusting God in the work that he's doing. Hope is anticipating God's work. We, we don't see the end yet. And sometimes we get discouraged because we don't see end results. We don't see uh, the, the uh, healing or we don't see the good that's going to come out of it immediately. But hope is anticipating God's work. And then joy is the response to God's work. It's watching what God's doing. It's walking with him, enjoying him, enjoying knowing that he's, he's working around me. And it's acknowledging that oftentimes God's at work. And instead of looking with spiritual eyes, we get caught up in circumstances in the world and what everybody else is telling us rather than what God's telling us. But joy is the response to God's work. It's enjoying him and watching what he's doing. And I would submit to you this morning, the world needs to see more joy. As a church family, if people are coming over to our houses or people are watching us at a distance, are they seeing joyful people? The places we go and we shop, are they seeing joyful people? The places that we go and we eat, the extended family that we have come over, our own kids and our grandkids and our houses, are they seeing people of joy? Christ came and he brought this gift of joy for those who surrender their lives to him and submit to him. Luke, as he's describing these shepherds and what they're experiencing, he recounts what they heard, what they saw, what they said, and then what they felt. And this morning, we want to look at what he's telling us about these shepherds and their interaction with the angels and even their interaction with Mary and Joseph and Jesus Look for the progression in this passage of joy that they received and how God was at work in this movement toward joy. So first, as we look back in verse 15, notice joy is the response to what God makes known. When the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened which the Lord has made known to us. There was no question who gave the, these shepherds the message. They knew that it was from God. It was through the angels, but it was from God. And God has made himself known in, in many ways. There's the general revelation of God. God reveals himself through creation. We look around us and say, how in the world could someone not believe there's a God when we see the order of the world, when we see the beauty of what he's created, and when we see the complexity of humanity and the existence of people and animals and plants, we, see, we say, how could there not have been a designer? God makes himself known in a very general way, but also through specific revelation. 
I'm thinking particularly about the Word of God. Even as the scripture writers wrote down the words that we have, just as the angels were giving messages, now God has spoken through His Son, and His Son is revealed through these very words that we have before us in the pages of Scripture. Joy comes because God makes Himself known. He's a revealing God. And unless He reveals Himself to us, we would have no joy. Because everything else is fleeting. Nothing else is lasting. Nothing else is satisfying. God is the one who created us. Unless we're right with our creator, there will never be joy. There will never be any kind of contentment and peace and even faith and hope. It's God who takes the initiative to make himself known to us. We who are dead in our sins and our trespasses. God, who is rich in his mercy and grace, makes himself known. If you ever have this thought of of being drawn to God or thinking about God or desiring more than what this life has to offer, know that that's God at work in you. That's evidence of his existence. That's evidence of his love as he draws you to himself, as he makes himself known. Here he's making himself known to these shepherds. And so there's revelation. But, but even in creation itself, when we think about the creation story, it builds up in chapter 1 to God creating humanity. Why did God create people? He was self-sufficient. But God is so generous and good, he wanted to share himself. So he created people. He created an environment for them to exist and uh, to live and to really enjoy him because he's the greatest good. Of course, we know what happened. Sin entered in and death because of sin and a hardness toward God. And God took action to restore his creation, his prized creation, humanity, to himself so that they could once again enjoy him and love him and be the benefactors of their creator. So so God created us to know him. That's why we're created in his image. People, men and women are created in his image so that they can know him. No other creature on earth is created in his image, only people We have that ability to fellowship with him and to know him and to glorify him. And these shepherds, God appeared to them through the angels, made himself known, and what did they do? They could have said, no, we're not going to believe any of that stuff. All of this is just coincidence. God, God can't be real or, or, you know, we're, we're busy doing our own stuff. We don't have time for God. You know, they could have said that. And literally, people say that every day. But for them, look what they did as God made himself known in verse 16. And they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. Well, they they got with it. They made haste. I like how Luke writes. uh, Sometimes Mark will do a a little bit of that with the immediately but we'll see that in some of Luke's writing. They made haste. They didn't mess around. They, they, they want, there was this desire that God had created in them. And now they're going. Now, we're not told exactly how they found them. Uh, the wise men, remember? The star? There's no star here. There is a sign that they will find. 
The sign wasn't given to them before they left, though. The sign was there once they arrived. And, and we don't know how many places they went trying to find. Hey, have you, have you heard of a baby that's been born? As they got into be- down into the city, they were probably traveling a, a, a maybe about two miles from the fields that they were in. And so how in the world would they have found this, this baby in this uh, place with his parents now, they knew if they found him, it would be different because he'd be laying in a feeding trough, a manger. That's, that's part of the sign. I, I don't know how many babies would have been born at that particular time, but however many play, people they had to ask or how many places they had to visit, they came and they found Mary and Joseph, and they found the baby lying in a manger God had made it known. He had directed their paths so that they could come face to face with what they had been told, what he had told them. Now, once you know this great news, you want to share it with others. And that's a part of our scripture memory passage. And so this morning, let's, let's do this together. I'll, I'll say my part, you say your part, and then all together we will go over the scripture. But I want you to notice the great joy that's experienced, if you haven't really picked that part out of this scripture memory verse. So here we go. And the angel said to them, For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. This was good news of great joy. Knowing Jesus is good news. It's good news. We were, we were in sin. We were lost. We were in darkness. Our, our destination was the place we call hell. We were not with God. We were disconnected from Him. We did not have a relationship with Him. We did not deserve that. The good news is, is that God didn't leave us there, though. He, he sent His Son God the Father sent God the Son who would take on human flesh in the lowliest of places, be laid in a manger, and be visited by the lowliest of people, the shepherds. It's good news. Whenever you have good news, you like to share it. You like to let other people know. When you love someone, you want them to, you want them to experience the greatest news that you've ever heard. And you tell them of that. And Jesus is the greatest news. God demonstrates his own love for us in this while we were still sinners. Christ died for us. Does God love me? Yes, he proved it. And that he sent his son and that his son died on the cross for our sins is proof. It's the final say-so of the love of God for his people. It's good news. Now, again, they heard and now they saw, right? Back in verses 15 uh, through 16, they, they heard the angels appeared. God revealed himself and his plan to them. And then they actually went and they saw. And what will they do next? Well, they will make known. I, I love that connection from verse 15. Did you see that? The Lord has made known to us. They were going to Bethlehem to see this thing which the Lord had made known to them. And then when you see verse 17, and when they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told them concerning this child. God made known, 
And those who know, they make known. Again, as a church family, this is part of our responsibility here on earth. We've heard the good news. We've seen the good that God does in our lives through forgiveness of sins and through purpose and meaning. We've experienced the joy of Christ in our lives and our responsibility is to let other people know what we have been given. What, what's been known to us, we make it known. In one sense, we could, stay, we could say, don't be silent. Stop the silence. It's not good that we would hold this good news into ourselves. There are people you live beside that aren't going to spend eternity in heaven. There are people that are in your own family that aren't going to spend eternity in heaven. And you have good news. You have the answer. You have the solution. And Jesus told us as his people before he ascended back into heaven, he said, go, go, be intentional. You've got a message to share. Go and make disciples, followers of Christ, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. That is, helping them to identify with Christ and his church, baptizing them and teaching them to observe everything I have commanded you. We're to be Making disciples who will make disciples. We're teaching others who will teach others. We're making known this wonderful good news that we've been given. The shepherds, they couldn't help it. They couldn't contain themselves. When they saw it, they made known what they had been told. And notice in verse 18, And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. You see, in our second point, joy is the response to what people make known. It's the response to what God makes known for those who receive it. And when we receive it, we're able to help others to have the same joy as we make it known. And as they shared, they, they had different responses. All who heard it, everybody they were coming in contact with, it said, wondered. Wondered at what they at what the shepherds told them. That word wonder isn't necessarily this, that kind of, uh, I wonder what they mean by that. It's more of an amazement. You see, this is an incredible story, isn't it? This is a, this is a miraculous story. Here's a woman who's not married yet, not been intimate with a man, and she's pregnant. That's a pretty spectacular story of a virgin now pregnant. And, and a pretty spectacular story that as she's getting close to delivery, she makes this 90-mile trek with her husband, and all, all goes well. No room for them. They, they are in the lowliest of places. They lay their baby that they have once they're there in this manger and these, these, these shepherds, these lowly men that most, most people really didn't want a lot to, to do with them, uh, they, were, they would have been considered kind of a lower class because they were outside the city. They, they weren't necessarily a part of the everyday city life there. They were, they were not the most well-received people, I would say. They would have been considered lowly. And here the angels appear to them and, and they're scared to death by, by one angel, and then the whole host of angels appears to them. And here are these men that many of them didn't know too much about or didn't know they wanted to have too much to do with, 
And they're telling them this incredible story. Now, some of them would have been putting it together. Well, you know, the Old Testament talks about a Savior who's coming. He'd be born in Bethlehem. Could this be God? Are, are you doing something? They were, they were amazed at this incredible story. These men, they, they, they would have not normally come into the city like this. These men, they were telling them a message that lined up with the prophecies and what had been told about the Christ. And so people were just amazed. Some of them may have believed, some of them might not, but they were amazed because it was an incredible story and it lined up with all they knew that what God was going to say and do at this particular time. Notice verse 19, but Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. So you see the response of wondering at the good news, amazement, but you also see the response of treasuring up the good news. You see, she's, she's taking all this to heart. We don't know a lot about what's going on in Mary's heart and mind. We know up front when God came to her through the angel, she said, may it, may it be to me as you have said, I am the Lord's servant. She was willing to go through the embarrassment, the shame of an unwed pregnancy, what others could have been thinking and saying about her. Here's a young woman who, who loves God, who has faith and she said, God, whatever you want to do in my life, I'm willing to endure and be obedient. And as these shepherds come, this had to be so confirming for her. I, again, you hear me say this from time to time, but I know that the enemy works much like he did from the time in the Garden of Eden with Adam and Eve. And you remember, you follow with me, Remember how he came alongside of Eve and she, he said, did God really say? Making, making her doubt the veracity and the validity of the word of God. And is God really making himself known as he really, did God really say? And I can just imagine Mary being in those same shoes. You know, did God really say you would have the, the Son of God, I mean, that, that God himself would allow you to be pregnant? Did God really say that the Savior of the world, Jesus, would come and you would be his mother? And I, I wonder what all the enemy was trying to say to her. And I think one reason that comes back to me a lot is because I know that the enemy is working like that in all of our lives. Did God really say that in his word? Does God really mean that? Is this really going to happen? And I just want you to know, if God said it in his word, it's true. <laughs> it's going to happen. You can bank on it. It's reality. It's truth. It's here. And some of those things that are countercultural, some of those things that just seem like nobody else in the world would ever believe such fantastic stories, incredible things, that the creator of the universe can do this any way he wants to do it. And if he spoke this world into existence, then one of the ways that he's making himself known is through this incredible story of the coming of the rescuer. As some call him the snake crusher. 
one who would rescue us from our sin. Yes, it's an incredible story. And Mary, she's just treasuring these things up. God is giving her confirmation along the way. Again, sometimes when God is speaking to us, we wonder, you know, is this really what I should do? And, and we have some doubts and confusion. But the more we obey God, the more God makes himself known. The more we step out in faith and we take those next steps, the more God confirms what he's doing in our lives. If we obey him, he, he makes himself known to us even more. And these shepherds are being confirmed as they find Mary and Joseph and Jesus lying in the manger. Mary and Joseph have to be confirmed and thinking, well, maybe we're not that much out of our mind. Here's some other folks who, who God has made himself known to. Mary was treasuring up the good news. And then the shepherds, how were they responding? Well, they were praising God. Notice in verse 20, and the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen as it had been told them. So we, we see that progression. They had heard the good news. They actually saw it with their own eyes, this baby lying in a manger. And they had placed their faith in this God. They, they, they were believers. And now they were experiencing this joy, these lowly, Maybe we, maybe we would even say these common people of their day, they were able to have this good feeling in their soul. I'm not so sure much changed about their circumstances that day. Did you know they returned? They went back to some of the same old job of watching the sheep, good days and bad days, the positive things and the negative things. Feelings could be low one day, be high the next, but they had happiness of the soul. They had joy of the soul. Their lives had been changed because they had come face to face with the Savior. The world they had known was a world of darkness and confusion. And now they had light and they had order. They had reason. They had purpose. They had meaning. What about you? Is this the kind of life that you're living, you, you've heard, you've seen? Do people mark you by being a person of joy and rejoicing and praising God? I was thinking the other day, as the, the older I get, the more I'm thinking, uh, I, I, there are things that just aren't what they used to be. You know, I'm... I'm thinking already, okay, I'm, I'm going to need a new prescription before long here. Now, I was running the other morning thinking, that was hard. That was really difficult. Days I could have just kind of, man, it would have been like almost running on air. I'm, I'm running in cement sometimes when I'm trying to do that. But I thought, but God, you've been so good. I, I don't know that I have any more joy. I don't know if I ever had any more joy in my life than growing older right now. I'm enjoying getting older. And, and I thought, there are a lot of people who are getting older, and they're just miserable. Now, if you're one of those people, I'm speaking to you this morning. <laughs> <laughs> and, 
If you're older and you're miserable all the time, you've got a problem. You're looking somewhere else for your joy and your happiness rather than in your relationship to God because we've had years to walk with him and to get to know him and to know his word better. Now, I'm not saying life is any easier. Sometimes it's harder. I'm not saying everything's going to go your way. Sometimes it goes the opposite way. But when your joy and your happiness is in Christ, it makes all the difference in the world. Instead of getting older and growing miserable, we should be getting older and growing more joyful. And these, these shepherds, man, they, they set a great example. I, I read a quote from Dustin Binge a few weeks back. Listen to it. Far too many of us are known more for our whining and complaining than our rejoicing and gladness. Self-pity spoils the garments of Christ's bride. See, we're celebrating his coming. Part of the reason we're celebrating his coming is not just for the traditionalism of it, not, not just for the good uh, sentimental, sentimentality of it. We're doing it because we love him. We, we know him and we're so grateful that Jesus has come. And part of that then is getting ready for when he comes back. And if you're in his family and you're whining and complaining, I mean, you're spoiling the very garments that you've been given. The world needs to see a joyful church. Are, are we an aroma for the glory of God? Or are we a stench? I don't want any of that. joyful. Jesus came and he brought gifts. Man, we're, we should be so excited and celebratory of his first coming. And when he comes back, he's bringing more gifts because it's all going to be made right. What's wrong now and what hurts now, it'll all be made right one day. And the joy that we have now is an anticipation of the greater joy of everything being made right. Again, I know some days are harder than others, but what does the Bible say when the days are hard? Count it, James chapter 1, count it all joy when you face different trials. Now, wait a minute. Are you sure we're supposed to be joyful in our trials? Well, that's what God's Word says. And then I see the example of my Savior Wherefore, seeing we're surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, Hebrews 12, reflecting on Hebrews 11, wherefore, seeing we're surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, people who are faithful to death, who are joyful even in death, he, he brings it to a close and says, but, but what about the greatest hero? I'm not just talking about the heroes of the faith. I'm talking about the hero, Jesus himself, who left the glory of heaven and came to earth. Wherefore, seeing... We're, we're surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses. Let us lay aside every weight in the sin that so easily besets us. And run with patience the race that's marked out for us, looking unto Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross. And whatever you go through on this in this life, for the glory of God. Man, it ought to be joyful. And if you're a believer, there's nothing you're going through that's not a part of the plan of God. Don't let the enemy come alongside of you and say, 
Do you think everything really works out for the good of those who love God? Well, of course they do. It's what it says in Romans 8, 28. And we know that all, in all things, God works together for the good of those who love him who are the called according to his purpose. Because what do those things do? Romans 8, 29, they make us more like Christ. And if I'm becoming more like Christ, that happiness and that joyfulness of soul will fill me and be ever-present with me. Now, verse 21 says they'll call him Jesus. That, that name, Jesus, means to deliver or to rescue. It's God is my salvation. It's the Hebrew. Uh, in Hebrew, it's Joshua. God is my salvation. And in the Greek, Jesus is to deliver, to rescue. God saves us. It's a beautiful, powerful name to those who know him. It's the name above all names. It's the name that one day every knee will bow to. It's the name one day every tongue will confess that Jesus is Lord. It's the only name. It's the one name exclusively. It's the only name whereby someone can be saved. Acts 4.12. There's no other name given among men whereby we must be saved. Why did Jesus come from heaven to earth was it to give us a better life was it was it to just change our circumstances here on earth was it to take all of your anxiety and worry and well he came to take the wrath that you deserved he take he took all the shame he took all the guilt he took all the sin and you know what he wants to give you in place of all of that faith and hope Enjoy. If you don't know Jesus, I would say to you, today's the day. We're going to have a hymn of invitation. The altar will be open today. We would invite you to come and pray. If you don't know Christ and you want him in your life, you can come and you can kneel and you can pray. Or you can even do this in your seat. God, I know I'm a sinner. Please forgive me. Come into my life. Save me. I want to uh, be a follower of Christ. I confess him as my Lord. You can, you can pray and ask him to come into your life. You can surrender your life to him today. We'll have pastors available after the service. I'd be, I'll be in Guest Central. I'd love to talk with you. But church, I want you to hear this message as much as anybody else in, the, in this world because one of the greatest apologetics to the world of Christ's coming is joy among his people. As we bear the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, and peace, and we can go through those nine parts. As we bear the fruit of the Spirit, joy being a part of that, the world sees us. And they, where, why, how, how can you be going through that and have joy in your life? How can you be happy and just have gone through? Some days we have to fight for it, but, but we know it's there and God wants to give it to us. And I just want to ask you, church, would you be, be committed to showing joy in your life? Would you be committed to being joyful at home with your spouse and your kids and your grandkids? Would you be committed to showing joy to your neighbors? Would you be committed instead of complaining and whining and all the places you go, say, isn't God good? To being joyful and not miserable. I do not have any right to be miserable when I have Jesus in my life. Let's pray. Father, we thank you.
for sending your son. Nothing we deserve, all a free gift out of your grace. We who chose sin, you chose to send the Savior. And I pray this morning that we would open up our hearts, open up our lives to what you want to do right now. Those who don't know you, Lord, may today be the day they begin that relationship. All of us who already know you, I pray that we would be convicted to be more joyful and to fight for the joy even in the midst of living in a tough world. Work in this time in all of our lives. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. This morning I invite you to join us in making a joyful noise. And may that joy reflect itself in adoration of the character of God as we sing, How Great Thou Art.